Hi, everybody. It's Christmas Eve. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. We trust that you have a great Christmas season and that your family has gathered around and you're able to spend some real quality time together. Well, one of my favorite carols, and, and perhaps this is the most favorite carol uh, in the world, is Silent Night. And in particular, I not only like the carol itself, but the story behind the carol, and, and perhaps you've heard it before. It's, it comes, goes back all the way to 1818, and Father Joseph Moore in Austria uh, had a problem with his uh, organ in the church. And uh, the problem actually resulted from a flood, which we can all identify with these days. And because his organ wasn't working, he, he had written the song a couple of years earlier, Silent Night. And so he had a friend set the song to guitar music. And so he and his friend sang that Christmas carol, Silent Night, for the very first time in 1818 in Austria. And then it became very popular after that. Well... I think it was a song that really was speaking about a desire for peace, for silence. You see, the, the Austria had just gone through the Napoleonic Wars. There was starvation. There was uh, all kinds of poverty happening. There was, there was just a really a, a tough time in their history. A lot of geographical boundaries had been moved around. And they were looking for peace. And, and they, he was really singing about the, the advent of Jesus coming to the earth and the peace that could come into people's hearts hearts because of that. It's interesting also that uh, Silent Night was sung in uh, 1914 during the First World War during a truce. Uh, during the uh, warfare in 1914, a lot of the truce were, uh, had dug into trenches and, and uh, for periods of time at Christmas, they would come out of their trenches and they would join together and exchange gifts, believe it or not, uh, people who were at war with one another and killing one another in different, on different days of the week. But on Christmas Eve, this Christmas truce uh, developed where the German and the French and the English all gathered together and they sang together in each their own language, Silent Night, Holy Night. Tremendous uh, sense of uh, the Lord's, a longing for the Lord's peace only that he can bring. But that first Christmas wasn't that silent when you think about it. There were terrified shepherds. There was an angelic proclamation, which must have been loud because they all heard it. There was a great company of heavenly hosts praising God. There was a woman in labor. Now, uh, the last time that I was in a maternity ward for uh, one of the birth uh, of our grandchildren, uh, it's not a very quiet place. You hear all kinds of things in maternity wards when uh, people or ladies are in labor and their husbands are there and the doctor's there. You hear coaching. You hear occasional uh, scream and occasional... Uh, a uh, uh, curse word, perhaps even, as, uh, as uh, people go through uh, very uh, traumatic times during labor. And so it wasn't a very quiet place when you really think about it. Uh, the uh, message of the Savior's birth, of the Messiah, came with fanfare. It, it came with a lot of noise. When you think about it, it wasn't a silent night. The shepherds, in fact, were a noisy bunch. Luke chapter 2, verse 16 to 20 says... So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you today for the birth of Jesus. We celebrate it together. We, we're in wonder at the incarnation that God has became, become a little child. Thank you for your humil- humility, Jesus, in coming and uh, living and dying for us. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've called us to talk about this and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We recognize that there's a time to be silent and there's a time to make bold proclamation of who you are. Help us to know the difference and help us to be faithful in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're familiar with the gospel stories of the life of Jesus, this noisy proclamation of Jesus as the Messiah is unique. Although the birth announcements are spread and the fact that he's Messiah is spread abroad by the angels, by the shepherds, etc., usually Jesus was telling people to downplay his Messiahship. Perhaps you remember the story in Matthew, in Mark chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. Um, Jesus asked the disciples about who do men say that I am, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, keep that down the down low. We don't want that message to spread around too quickly. I think Jesus was concerned about the hostility that it would raise or the expectation that it would raise in people's minds if, uh, if that news was spread too broadly. And so during the life of Jesus, we see uh, his messiahship, who he really was, kind of downplayed. And we see that again in uh, Mark's gospel, chapter one, after miracles, uh, perhaps the healing of the man with leprosy is an example of that. And Jesus says, you know, yeah, don't spread that around. There's, there, we have enough trouble getting the gospel message out uh, and the, the kingdom message, so let's, let's be a little careful in spreading that news. And it's not until the triumphant entry did Jesus allow people to fully voice their praise to him as the Messiah. You remember the story, Jesus is entering in Jerusalem for the last time before the crucifixion, and the people cut palm branches, and they were laying down, and they were, they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're basically declaring his messiahship, just like the shepherds had, and just like the angels had before his birth. And, uh, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were complaining to Jesus and said, you know, tell the crowds to be quiet. And Jesus says, if they didn't praise me, the rocks would cry out. And then during the crucifixion event and after the crucifixion, before Jesus rose from the dead, again, we have silence and the disciples are in hiding. But then comes the day of Pentecost and the disciples come out of hiding and proclaim Jesus as Lord. We see that in Acts chapter 2. From then on, the disciples were to spread the news everywhere. It was no longer to be something that was kept silent. It was no longer something that kept under wraps, but it was to be uh, vocally proclaimed everywhere. It was the good news of Jesus. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 26 to 27, tells us something interesting about this. In training the disciples for their future role, he gathers a group of them together. He sends them out from town to town, but Jesus warns them not to be afraid of men or Beelzebub. Now, this is another word for Satan. Uh, in, In fact, Beelzebub in the original language means Lord of the Flies. 
the title of the book that most of us read in high school about the boys that were on that deserted island and began to worship a, uh, a pig's head on a stake with flies buzzing around it. And uh, the author of that book was Jewish, and the, the title, Lord of the Flies, is, is definitely a reference to this Jewish name for Satan, Beelzebub. So in the text, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, was whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. So while there was a time to keep the message under wraps, there is a time for bold proclamation. And this is what Jesus was training his disciples to do after the day of Pentecost. A time to shout it from the rooftops. There's good reason not to be afraid, Jesus says. Uh, the truth will triumph. He says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Everything will be made known. That, that's a wonderful understanding of, of, of truth. That the truth will make itself known. Truth will triumph. The truth of Jesus Christ will triumph. And uh, if not in this life, then in the life to come. And we're given assurance that we can be bold because truth will win. So we are also to be God's reporters. He's his spokesperson, his PR department, his, he, the people who, who uh, promote his image to the world around us. He says, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Now, uh, we're learning today from social media that um, deep conversations are perhaps not done well over social media, over Instagram, over uh, tweets or anything uh, in short form. But the deep conversations, conversations about very important things are best done face to face. Uh, many um, leaders today, leaders in business and leaders in, in, in the marketplace and leaders in the church are, are kind of withdrawing from social media because they're finding that, that anything that they try to argue or try to proclaim or try to announce over a social media context, they get such negative feedback and because the, uh, the information is in such short bites, they don't really get an opportunity to explain themselves well. So they're often misinterpreted. And so when Jesus tells us to speak in the daylight, to, to speak what's been told, he's talking about face-to-face -face encounters. And I think we have to be a little careful about what we say over social media, uh, but we can get into more depth conversations when we're speaking to our friends and family face-to-face. -face. And we're told to be bold in our proclamation because the truth will triumph. You can only proclaim with confidence what you have personally heard. And I think that's the reference here to what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. So God speaks to us in the dark. God speaks to us when we're silent. Sometimes God speaks to us when we're scared. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 21, this is the story of God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. Perhaps you remember the story. Uh, the people of God come to Mount Sinai, and, and there's all kinds of noise on Mount Sinai. There's thunder and lightning and, and smoke, and, and the people, um, uh, the children of Israel, become afraid. And, and they won't go any nearer the mountain because of uh, what was going on. It was, it was terrifying to them. And so they basically said, hey, Moses, uh, <laughs> you're our guy. You go talk to God. You go up the mountain. We're very comfortable staying down here at, at arm's length, at a distance from all that noise. And so 
so Moses goes. And in verse 21 of, of chapter 20 of Exodus, it says, The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. We find God in the dark, in the scary places, at times when we're alone, at times when we're stressed, at, at times when things seem bleak and dark. And he brings us into the light. What we learn in the dark, it says, we are to share in the light. What we learn in private, what we learn uh, through prayer and through, through understanding what's going on in our lives as we contemplate, as we think about what's happening, we are to share in the light. In the dark, he whispers hope to us. In the dark, he whispers peace on earth, goodwill toward men. He gives us the message that we proclaim in the light. So get ready to tell. He expects us to share good news. It's not time to be silent. It's not time to be wary of, of uh, opposition. It's, it's time to speak with boldness because we know that truth triumphs. You see, in sharing the truth, we also come to own the truth. Have you noticed that about sharing truth? That, that often it's not until we verbalize it, it's not until we put it into words that we really own it ourselves. It becomes more real to us. I think that's why it's so important to, to share the story of Jesus with friends and to share and witness to the power, to the love, to the majesty, to the grace, to the, to the uh, ability for Jesus to save and to redeem and to to uh, buy us uh, back from, from troubles and difficulties and to set us on the right path. So don't be afraid. Perhaps the most often repeated phrase in all of Scripture is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid this Christmas season to tell the story. Don't be afraid when you're sitting around with friends or neighbors or colleagues at work to share Jesus, to, to share his love, to share his grace, to share who he really is. The truth will triumph. It's embodied in the man, Christ Jesus. Please say this with me from the Apostles' Creed as we profess who Jesus is. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We profess him as Lord. We profess him as the one who has come to redeem the world, to save the world. Lord, help us to be bold in our proclamation this Christmas season. Lord, um, help us not to be obnoxious in what we say, but help us to lovingly share the truth of Jesus Christ, because we know the truth will triumph, because we know the truth always comes to light, because we know that you protect us, you guide us, you lead us, you even give us the words to say by the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray for anybody who's listening to this message who's never really verbalized, never really vocalized their faith in Jesus Christ, their belief in you and your power, your resurrecting power in their lives. Lord, I pray that they would do that this Christmas season. 
And as they share the word, I pray, Lord, that you would give them confidence to trust, to hope, to be at peace because of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you for coming as a child in a manger. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, I trust you're looking forward to a time with family and friends this Christmas season. Maybe you've already had your Christmas meal. I know uh, because of travel arrangements, sometimes people celebrate Christmas at, at all different times, but, but maybe yours is yet to come. Maybe you could plan this time to, uh, to share a little bit, maybe, maybe at the very beginning of a meal that you're going to celebrate, maybe just before you open gifts or, or at a family time, just an opportunity to maybe read a passage of Scripture from Luke's Gospel or Matthew's Gospel about the birth of Jesus and, and make a couple of just simple comments of thankfulness. I, I think most people would be respectful and opening to, to hear that from you. So why not take an opportunity during this, this family time, there's this sacred occasion to uh, share a little bit about Jesus Christ and uh, take the opportunity to open up a little bit about your belief and hope and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Our doxology for this series on uh, Advent comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Have a very Merry Christmas. God bless.